From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earmaker. And I'm Casey. Casey Parnell. Here I am. Here I am again. Uh, Sick of me yet, boys? (laughs) And we just came off a weekend where actually uh, I, this is Evan, by the way, I got to preach here at Westside, so we brought Casey in to fill out this conversation today. To pull pull that message apart, really uh, dissect. And you were in quite a few of them, so... (laughs) I yeah, always, man. It's it's uh, an interesting experience uh, being part of the service, but not preaching it and sitting through. You kind of hear the preacher make changes along the way, and right. We actually, it's funny because we the more comfortable you get up there, it's like the more extra content you add. Actually, and Evan's a great preacher. If you guys haven't heard Evan preach, he does a great job. But uh, we always, as our service producer Amelia is always saying to the people at ten forty five right before. Now, just remember, you're comfortable, so just don't go too long, kind of thing, <laughs> or or get too loose with like yeah. the edgy comedy, your or, little yeah. rabbit yeah. trails, like yeah. you're talking about donuts. For it seems like every preacher in the last, uh, except for you, maybe preach yeah. about sweet treats. So I, we just like have a I, fat I, kid I, thing going on. on I, li- I like to th- <laughs> I like to think I have such discipline not to go the fat kid you route. Really, I mean, I feel like i talked about donuts Corey also talked about donuts this is in the last couple months bo talked about cookies or something yeah. steve mickle is always talking about cake oh. <laughs> i'm not really sure i think i'm lying so what's there. the evolution of the preacher when it comes to so you got saturday night at 6 30 you wake up eight o'clock service on sunday morning nine o'clock 10 45 what's the evolution for a preacher at west side with as far as uh, how you're feeling about how everything's going or maybe how your your message has changed how to feel do you have yeah uh, Saturday night is uh, without fail. You're warming up. You're testing the material, and and I don't, I don't we, think I don't say that Saturday. like yeah. It's not that you're not prepared. It's just it's right. the first time you're preaching it, and you're gonna preach it three more times. So inevitably, you're gonna make some adjustments along the way. So Saturday mm-hmm. night is just gonna be the most, I guess, uh, raw raw. Yeah. Yeah. I think for Saturday night too, that the cool thing about yes, like Evan says, warm up, like the first time all this content and everything's coming together in one sort of package, but um I think it also gives you some room like it almost gives the Holy Spirit more room to and I'm not saying the other services aren't like spirit led or anything, but I'm I think it gives the Holy Spirit this edge to just speak through you really naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you the words in a moment. I can't remember the scripture where he says, you know, you stand in front of people, I'm going to give you the words. Yeah. Um, and that's my paraphrase. Yeah, Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah yeah. 2, I think. Right, yeah. So I'll give you the words. I'll fill your mouth with words. And I think uh, we can, even in our preparation, we do a lot of preparation here at Westside for the messages, but mm-hmm. I don't ever want us to lose that spirit edge in our messages. If we don't have that, if we're not just attentive to God in the moment, there might be people sitting in those seats that are just there and they need, they need something in this. The Holy Spirit wants to speak something to them differently on Saturday night than Sunday. And like, I don't want our speakers to lose that edge. What do you think, Evan? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, I don't think any of the preachers here at Westside take like the first one lightly or see it as a rehearsal at all. Right. Um, uh, I just think that there's some natural um, evolution to a weekend, but seeing the benefit in a Saturday night when it is the first one, seeing that edge there. And I think there's benefits to the 1045 when you've said it so many yeah. times that it's just, 
you don't need your notes anymore. I think right. that's, that's a cool kind of Holy Spirit thing too, yeah. that you can just almost stay in that, that creative flow without referencing your material too much either. Yeah, it's so true. And I think all of us have also been in the moment where Saturday night went really bad. <laughs> Go <laughs> home, <laughs> scrap the message, <laughs> and start, start over. Start again. Actually, 8 a.m. is a fresh new day. Actually, for, for this weekend, and it might have been the topic, because we talked about, or I, I gave a message on um, the judgment of God as revealed in Psalms, which is kind of an intimidating topic, yeah. especially on Father's Day. <laughs> that was uh, perfect for You did know. great with it. You really did great with it. Um, for that. But I think it, I was intimidated by it, because I actually had a dream i don't know if you guys have had dreams before you preach yeah but i had a dream um i'm completely shut was, off so <laughs> i was minutes minutes before i had to get up on stage and preach and i hadn't prepped any uh, scripture references oh my yet gosh yeah and i kind of knew what i was going to preach but i i in my, in my dream i was like sitting on the front with no idea like what scripture i was going to use and you know how in your dream like it's only what you actually have in your brain that you can dream about. And so I was like trying to find scriptures, but I couldn't, I couldn't actually read anything. And (laughs) I woke up, I woke up in a cold sweat and and this was about two weeks ago. And I thought, Okay, I need to prep for this message because clearly I'm afraid I'm going to be underprepared. But. Oh, Has Corey ever shared? Uh, my brother Corey, who's on staff as well at Westside, he um, he was the lead role in you were in this play, the one. Um, sorry, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, in right? high school with the giant plant that eats people. Yeah, what? it's like I can't believe they. I don't know. It's kind of morbid actually. Yeah. When I'm thinking back, but he always has this re- reoccurring nightmare that he's going to be called upon to like replace, like the lead gets really sick. And so as an adult, he's called back. I don't know if it's like too high school to perform. Like, it's a recurring man? dream. Yeah. But he is on stage and he d- doesn't know any of the songs or any of the words, but oh somehow he's been thrust into this lead role. I love that. That thought of like, I will be Seymour I in will. the play again. You know, <laughs> it's a little self-indulgent. Yeah. I think maybe I got the dream wrong, but that's how I, I, love I remember that, it. That, that that is what floats around in his subconscious. Like, I, I am going to have to, and I have the same dream that I'm I'm replacing LeBron James in the finals, the NBA finals. How does that go? Yeah, uh, lose four to one again. Yeah, no, I yeah. Everyone's like, man, LeBron's really off tonight. <laughs> LeBron's really white tonight. Yeah, he's white. That's, the, that's the main thing we noticed is he's white now <laughs> and shorter yeah. and a lot less buff. Yeah, yeah. Dang it, all of the above. Oh my God! So judgment—it uh, it is a difficult topic, and I would say it is—it it is a little funny that it fell on Father's Day, but we'll kind of skim over that a little bit. Um, what's the number one thing, Evan? If you can put your number one thing out there that you really learned about judgment through the process of getting ready for all this and teaching it on the weekend? Yeah, this was huge um, in seeing the judgment of God in a new light. Um, I think it was a—I know it was a C.S. Lewis quote that I came across out of his reflections on the Psalms, um, and if I can paraphrase it. He talked about the difference between how a Christian views the judgment of God and how um, uh, a Jew in ancient times would view the judgment of God. And the difference between that was profound to me, that uh, in a Christian religious setting, our view of God's judgment is that we are the defendant, um, that God is coming to pour out his anger and wrath against us. Whereas a Jew, such as David, who was writing a lot of these Psalms, would have seen himself as a plaintiff in a civil case expecting to have the judge rule in his favor mm-hmm. and collect damages. And yeah. I thought, wow, if we can if we can present that concept that God is for us, his judgment's been poured out, but not on us, right. on Jesus, and now we expect him to rule in our favor, man, that could be a game changer. So in essence, it's to say, I want to be judged because yeah. I think you're on my team. 
Well, and that's so good. That's in Psalms. What we see over and over again is that it's presented as this reason for everyone to rejoice. Like the judge is coming to town. He's going to judge in righteousness. He's going to judge the world. And everyone is is losing their minds with excitement. Well, how can that be unless he's going to rule in our favor? I never thought about it that way growing up, ever, growing yeah. up in the church. Just Well, it's because you showed that picture at the beginning of the um, the painting Sistine Chapel, right? And yeah. at the bottom of it, the the one you showed was this priest ushering uh, on a boat, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah. It's, you the, describe it, it's yeah. the final judgment in the Sistine Chapel, and right at eye level, uh, there's all these beautiful paintings of saints and angels all over the ceiling. At eye level is um, the bottom of the final judgment painting where Jesus has condemned sinners to hell, and what you see right when you look straight forward is a demon on a boat ferrying sinners into eternal punishment. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and that's perfect. that's religion's vision of, I yeah. think, the judgment of God. And you ask probably the average person, like, what is what is hell and what is that, you know, heaven, hell? And we have our kind of conceptions about it. Um, and I think scripture has, like, deeper meanings that it wants to teach us. And I think it'd be actually really interesting to do, like, a heaven and hell series. Yeah. Um, I know we've, we've talked about Suzanne um, here, Pastor Suzanne was talking about uh, heaven this last year, just in light of uh, her son's, um, her son's death. And so talking about that, but I think uh, we have these misconceptions and I think um, it's it's just totally different. I even like, there was this old picture in the church I grew up and there's a cross that's a bridge and um, over this giant precipice. And then there's this fiery, you know, highway with all these brothels and casinos <laughs> leading and tons of people are going down and screaming. And you know, it's, it's just such, it's really interesting. That's our picture of judgment. Um, and I, I love the perspective you brought to the table. Yeah. I think it, it's relatable. When I was thinking back to even like the Great Awakening in, I think, what, the 1800s, 1700s? Anyway, Jonathan Edwards, um, uh, his famous message that, spurred a religious revival was sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I remember reading stories about when he would preach and people would climb up on their chairs for fear that the floor would open and the fires of hell would consume them. Um, did that happen Sunday? Uh, yeah, it did. Actually. I have to watch it back. On Only the, the nine video. o'clock though. So <laughs> just people standing up. Do they have that on YouTube? Somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess what I, what I come back to is we have to have a balanced view of both the the wrath of God towards sin, which is real. I believe in hell. I believe there's punishment, um, but also the mercy of God and how that works through Christ. And if you miss having both sides of that, it I think it undercuts and kind of hamstrings the gospel if you don't have a God who is angry at sin, mm-hmm. but also m- makes a way to satisfy that. Right. So what do we say to that? Uh, especially people in the church, I think, I, I want to move toward a side that is that doesn't believe in hell. Like, really, just my natural inclination is like, no, I want everything to be okay. That'd be and nice, that, right? You know, yeah. um, and, and and I think that that is a, an even more popular kind of case in the church that people are coming and being like, well, all this stuff about hell is maybe more of a. Uh, a story or a fear tactic or something like that, but it's actually not the reality of what's going to happen. So what do, what do we tell people, especially within the, the church that want to believe that side of it, that just say, no, all the bad stuff isn't real. It's just God is much, much nicer than that. What do we say to those people? It, I, I came across, I think it's Tim Keller was talking about this, how um, to the modern mind, a God who um, 
creates hell and sends people there is horribly offensive. To an ancient mind, the thought of a God who doesn't punish sin is horribly offensive. Oh, sure. And so his thought, his question was, why is it that we think that the modern offense is more correct than an ancient one? Mm. And if we believe in a God who never mm. changes, he has to supersede our current feelings about what we think he should be. Right. And so is there is there something that is more true than just our preference for God to never even, you know, judge anybody or be super light on sin and, you know... Yeah. Is there something better? And I think there is. And I think it's what God has always been. Yeah. That's good. And we don't live in a world without consequences. Like if you like, let's go back to the donut point. If you eat a lot of donuts, <laughs> the consequence is that you're probably going to be larger than the average uh, human. And, uh, you know, and that's going to affect your life. And, and also, it's not just going to affect your physical appearance. Your, you know, arteries are going to get clogged and all that. Um, but I think a lot of people sort of, can adhere to this mindset like i can kind of do whatever i want without without consequence or maybe just as long as nobody knows about it or whatever and we don't um i I think uh in so many things we just we don't think about the consequences of even the things that are happening to our own soul um when when we sin when we make a mistake those um like that's why we need an advocate that's why we need um, redemption. That's why we need a savior is because our sin is actually not only um, uh, hurting the world, I think physically, but also hurting our, our souls. And, um, and so that's why we need an advocate. I think it, there are consequences to things. And so just to think about that world, um, cause and effect, you know, yeah. that, that was huge. And you remove, you remove the consequence, you remove the, the, the power of, what sin does and you say, well, it doesn't matter. Then you've removed the need and the importance of Christ on the cross. And to do that, you've just taken out the whole heart of the gospel and what we believe. So you bring up a little bit of, I'll just come out and say one of my biggest doubts or difficulties that I've had in my walk of faith. And Wait a minute, that ben, I you have doubts. Often. <laughs> well, we're going to edit it out. You're a pastor, <laughs> so I can't believe you would have And a I'm licensed, about I know, I know. They didn't yeah. ask the difficult yeah. questions. They didn't make you memorize all the answers, and then, you know, there's no discussion about Well, I it. do know the colors of the four-square flag. Oh, perfect, but, um, great. Yeah, but I do have doubts, so one is more important than the other. Anyway, um, uh, but you brought up the idea, you know, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're, especially we're talking about judgment. I have a difficult time sometimes with the concept that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even just in a practical thing, if I'm reading through the Bible in a year and I read the Old Testament and I read the New Testament, I'm like, no, they're not. (laughs) They look totally different. They sound totally different. You know, people aren't just getting struck down, at least not that I know of, you know, maybe that, maybe that still happens today, but you know, Jesus wasn't doing a lot of these things. He came with, with all this grace and all this mercy and, um, and, and, hung out with sinners and all those things. And and I have a difficult time, and especially when it comes to the judgment of God, feeling like God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Have you guys ever, am I just kind of all alone in that, you know, with, with my doubt? Yeah, you're all alone. Please, I knew uh, it. I knew it. Clean out your office. No. <laughs> I, the more you read the Bible, the more you have to wrestle with these things. I just think there's no way around it. I think a, a lot of people who um, don't wrestle with these issues probably are people that don't actually read through 
the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Because to read and absorb it is to have to wrestle with these things. Um, I, I think of, uh, I often look at scripture from a 30,000 foot view. It's kind of where I'm at. I think I've talked about it on this podcast, but you look at the themes of scripture and people focus on like, you know, the Lazarus where the parable Jesus is telling about Lazarus and that my tongue's burning in this fire. And, um, you know, the great lake of fire in revelation, there's, there's these concepts that are presented, but, um, so much of scripture is um, a restoration process as well that God wants to take us through. And so looking at it holistically, like God is not aiming at um, aiming to hurt us, but to help us, to restore us, redeem us. And so to look at those, those bigger themes. The other thing I think about when I think about reading scripture and like what you're talking about, the tension, the doubt right? Yeah, uh, that we experience is like, I think about wine and uh, I've been told by um, winemakers that the best kind of wine is a vine that has had to struggle through rocks and hard soil mm. um, instead of just having the most perfect and easy conditions to grow in. Um, the best wine has actually wow. had to struggle through, the vine has had to struggle through the soil and struggle through hard conditions. And it actually is the best uh, quality grape and wine um, because it's had to struggle. And I think our faith is um, is more quality, has more substance when it's had to actually struggle through some of these tough topics. And so if you're out there even struggling today with a tough topic, I think, great, put that before the Lord. He is not yeah. afraid of our tough questions. He really isn't. Um, and so you got, you've got a tough question out there you're struggling with, you know, how can a, a good God send people to hell? And, you know, uh, in your struggle, I think God can meet you there and provide answers if you have an open heart right. to what he would want to say. To and you I think that. that's a good way to bring it back to to this idea of judgment because you talked about cause and effect and we are fine with cause and effect in so many areas of our lives. We understand now that, okay, when I eat donuts, I'm going to get fat. So I have to work out and I have to do, you know, whatever I have to, I have to have an understanding that if I do this action, that it's going to reap this thing. Um, and it's interesting that I, we kind of just want to throw that out when it comes to spirituality though, sometimes like, Oh no, there's no cause and effect when it comes to my spiritual life. I can kind of do whatever I want and it's just this and that. But, but the idea that we can separate that kind of idea from cause and effect when it comes to our spirituality is, is interesting to me. Why don't we want to struggle sometimes like we know that we need to in the gym in order to have the body that we've always wanted or something like that? You know, it's, it's good to struggle, I think, in your spirituality too, to, like you were saying, get that strength and growth. I think we like to, um, we like to feel relatively better than those around us. And which means that if I'm, if I'm a good person, I don't need to deal with the consequence. I don't need to work out if I don't eat the donuts, right? Okay. But what we see in scripture is that all have sinned, all have fallen short. So we're actually all in the same boat. Right. We're all sick and dying. Um, and I think if, if you can't come to that place where you acknowledge that, that no matter how good of a life I've lived, no matter how moral I am and how much character I have, I still have fallen short and I deserve God's punishment. And just like everybody else from, you know, my pastor to ISIS. We're all in this boat where we deserve punishment. Right. Well, then we come to this point of we all need redemption and grace. And I think we are where, where we get in trouble is I see myself as in a different category mm. as a notorious sinner. Right. And then we start comparing ourselves and, well, now I'm morally superior to you. All of a sudden, then judgment feels really tough to swallow. But when we realize that 
all of us have fallen short and we all need redemption. Right. I I don't know. I think that that makes it easier. No, that's really, really good. That's a good way to put it. It's essentially what you're saying is we've all eaten the donuts. We yeah. just need to realize that we've all eaten the donuts. Right. It's uh I had my cousin staying with me the last couple of days and it's funny that he's like, I want to come stay on your couch, but he's a DA in Portland area. And he is in the courtroom all the time. He's he's constantly in front of judges, and he actually tries um, really cases of abuse, like specifically child abuse. And um, so it, his job's really intense at at moments. But what is the thing that convicts somebody um, in a, in a court of law? What's the thing that actually brings them to a sentencing? Is is evidence? Right? Is proof? Yeah. And then, um, in, you know, in America, we have, we also have a jury that, um, helps decide. So the people, we, the people decide. Um, and so, you know, in my life, like if we're all honest, we have to look at the evidence of our life. Like what brings us to judgment? Like I know the, the actual thoughts that I think on a daily basis about somebody else or about a situation and how judgmental I am. So I know the evil that lives in me right and i can look at the mirror of my own life and that's why i'm so thankful for jesus who treats me um with mercy and grace and love because you know i can look at if if people actually knew the evidence of my life man it would look it would look different if that was actually brought into a court of law it would look it would look horrible and so i'm (laughs) i'm glad i have i have an advocate well and that's that's uh, when I brought in uh, to the message, John chapter 8, uh, where Jesus essentially is confronted by these people condemning this woman caught in adultery. This is what he does, is he points out to the fact that, that the evidence is stacked against everyone present, and then he rushes to the defense of the one who is humble enough to know that yeah. the evidence is against her. You know, the one who, who has no, no sense of moral superiority. And that's the one that Jesus comes and is with. And, uh, and I think when, yeah. when we can be humble enough to acknowledge our need for mercy, that is the, that's the key that opens the door. Yeah. Beautifully the, done, man. Yeah. I mean, that was such a great illustration of it, you know, and Jesus is the only one in the room that could technically throw a stone at her. Yeah. If well, you haven't sinned, yeah. throw a stone. So he's the one and that's his position so if you see Jesus, you see God, you see his heart. And that's where I always come back to this, Ben, with your tough questions. I know that the yeah. Sunday school answer is Jesus. But like, if you see his mannerisms, you see his way, you see his parables, his right. stories, that is, that is God. You are experiencing God when you look at Jesus. And his position is, I'm, I'm not going to accuse you either. That yeah. was so powerful this weekend, Evan. And that's Great so good that the understanding, so much of this is is understood better when we remember who we are and, and what we have done. Not to wallow in those things. I think sometimes we can fall too far on either end of the spectrum. We can turn ourselves into this big shame fest that, oh, this is what I've done, so it makes me who I am. Um, but not at the same time, you want to remember the things. That, at least I do. I want to remember some of the things that I've done. I want to remember the mistakes that I've made, especially I think about my life in ministry and some of the mistakes that I've made and things that I've done. And I go, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for the people around me that have stood by me, even though I said that from a platform or I behave that way in my personal life and they stayed with me. It does keep you humble. It keeps you an understanding of how much people really 
that's how much I know my wife yeah. loves me. <laughs> right. Is is remembering how awful I've been to her in our marriage sometimes <laughs> or the messes that I've made or the things that I've said to her in an emotional moment. That always reminds me if I look back on those times that were difficult, especially early in our marriage, I go, Oh my gosh, you must love me so much because you're still around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in Revelation, uh, Jesus says that to one of the churches, you know, remember from where you've fallen, I think, or but basically this concept of don't forget where you were, you know, and right. I, I think that just puts everything into perspective moving forward. When we remember like, oh yeah, I could go back there so easily if I'm not careful, right? Have you ever had my, your mom quote Revelation to you, by the way? That was one, <laughs> no, of the best, thankfully. one of the best phone conversations I had in college. I was struggling with my grades in about my junior year and my mom called me and she said, you know, the book of Revelation, John, uh, you know, God's talking to the churches and, and one of the churches, he says, look, you do well in this and this and this but there is one thing you lack. And I was like, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Why are we talking about Revelation right now? And, and then she lit a golden lampstand. And, yeah, it, it gets really weird at a certain point. Yeah, well, we don't delve too far into my family stories, but... I had one other thought where you were talking, Ben, it's that, uh, and I'm really great with scripture references today, but his kindness leads us to repentance. Yeah. And um, not his judgment, right? His his judgment, yeah. like he's our advocate, you know, that we need that judgment. We need, um, you know, like our, the evidence of our life is going to speak about something, but his kindness is what leads us there. And I think, um, the church has often led with judgment, um, and forgetting sort of forgetting the pro- progression of things. So if somebody's listening to this podcast who maybe isn't part of a Christian worldview, um, I just want you to know that Jesus wants to, you know, express his kindness towards you first and to know that he is actually life and he's going to bring life to your bones and he's going to bring life to your, um, your everyday walk. It's not going to be the, it's not going to be roses and flowers and, and candy and all that. It's, there's going to be hard things that come, but he's going to give you that strength. But I think we just forget the lead off. The thing that leads us there, um, is actually the kindness of God, um, rather than his, his wrath and his his yeah. judgment. And it leads you into something beautiful like repentance too. And I think right. repentance, we kind of a lot in with judgment. We're going to talk about repentance later on in this sermon series. But I think we put them together a lot of times that judgment and repentance is almost like this exorcism of uh, this, this really painful process of something that has come out. And sometimes it can be painful, but ultimately repentance and judgment are both part of the beauty of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. We might be, uh, you know, in danger of getting criticized here at Westside for leaning too far into a message of the kindness of God and grace of God on our weekends. But to that criticism, I would say this, this is all of, I, we could preach every day on the kindness of God our entire lives and never run out of, you know, the content that, that, I mean, it's, it's so close to the character of Jesus, kindness towards sinners. Right. I don't think we can yeah. exhaust it. Gospel's supposed to be good news, right? Not <laughs> yeah. bad news. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh man, those Christians, that looks horrible. Like, I don't want to be part of that. Like instead, mm-hmm. what about a joyful, yeah. giving, compassionate, extra crazy, generous, like party community? You know, yeah, right. Jesus's first miracle is water to wine. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's like, God is not, mad at you like he he loves you god so loved the world there is this extreme amount of love and compassion and grace 
pouring down on planet Earth, and the church is sh- is and should be the key funnel for yep. those things to be happening. Yep. Right. And ultimately, that's where, I mean, Jesus stayed around, man. He hung out. People totally. disappointed him, and, and he stuck around. I don't know if you brought this up in a, in a podcast, uh, but I, I know you've talked about it maybe in a message or something before, Casey, but the, the whole idea of Peter walking out on the water with Jesus and Jesus talking about his faith and saying, well, where was your faith? Like, why did you doubt? And then even still giving the opportunity for Peter to be either carried by Jesus or to hold the hand of Jesus as they walk back to the boat. Like, that's ex- exactly who Jesus is. We fail, and we fail right in front of him, and he acknowledges the failure, right. and it's an opportunity still to live a life or to perform something that is so miraculous and so far beyond what we could have imagined. That's who Jesus is. Yeah. And I I, I really do love this series for that reason, is that what we are seeing revealed through the Psalms, I think all summer, is going to be more of that, the kindness of God, the character of God for us, working through us. It's, it's really just beautiful to, to consider all these different facets of who God is, you know? That's awesome. So uh, next week we'll be back with Pastor Steve, I believe. Yeah, he's awesome. preaching this weekend. And uh, throughout the uh, rest of the summer, some great speakers coming up. So we're just uh, going to keep keep right along doing this, talking about the Psalms. And uh, hopefully you can stick with us and follow along on the podcast and our uh our message on the weekends, yeah. of course. Two weeks so. in a row, Casey. Yeah, Thanks man. For Thanks for us. having me, guys. We got to talk about fun. another kind of pastry this next weekend. We should probably right. pick out what that is. Yeah, maybe like, like a cheese Danish or something. What's your favorite pastry? Oh, Real uh, quick. Old-fashioned donut. <laughs> there you go. Check us out at BehindTheMessage.org. Behind the Message.